Section 14 of The Spring Song by Forrest Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 The Recognition Like a vapor, wan and mute. Like a flame, so let it pass. Rosetti Griff, clutching his Bible under one arm, ran across the graveyard, but Palmer was already speeding down the road like a hunted deer while Mr. Bradley leaned over the gate, waving his ebony stick, his white hair loose, his face flushed with anger. He presented at that moment a formidable enough appearance, and Griff could perfectly understand young Dorset's having taken to flight. What perplexed him was how Palmer had got there at all. He waited a little awestruck till Mr. Bradley turned around. What was he doing? Griff asked, wonderingly. Doing? He was spying! watching me, and when I caught him at it, he had the impudence to tell me he'd come to listen to the organ. A lot he cares about the organ. I don't think he'll want to listen to it again. But what was there for him to spy? Griff ventured gently. What harm could he do? He came to ask questions, to find out things. I didn't see what he was up to till I had been talking to him for five minutes or more. But when I did, he broke off abruptly to throw a threatening look over his shoulder at the fugitive, who, some fifty yards or so down the road, had come to a standstill and was watching them with irritating composure. Griff did his best to pacify the organist, but so long as Palmer remained in sight, this was not easy. I'm annoyed, Mr. Bradley said, with a curious mixture of malignity and childishness. Very seriously annoyed. So much annoyed that I won't be able to give you a lesson, if you came for a lesson. Then he suddenly remembered that Griff had been lost, and asked, What happened to you? Your grandfather came to me last night, looking for you, saying you had disappeared. I came back today, Griff told him. And where have you come from now? You weren't hiding in the church, were you? You had nothing to do with this. No, Griff hastened to reply seeing him ready to flare out again. I was asleep till I heard the noise. I was reading, and I fell asleep. Over there, under the wall, the organist looked in the direction he pointed to. Oh, he said more mildly. Well, well, and now I suppose you want to have a singing lesson. I don't think so, Griff answered. I'm, I feel rather lazy today. Of course, if you'd like me to. No, no. Tell me where you've been to. We'll go and sit down, where you were sitting. Griff left the Bible back in the church and rejoined Mr. Bradley under the wall. There they sat side by side while the little boy related his adventure, and his companion nodded his head and said, <clears throat> at various places. Griff could talk to him easily because he somehow felt that there was not really very much difference between them in point of age. That is to say, Mr. Bradley gave him the impression of looking at the world from much the same angle as he himself looked at it. He was serious over the same kind of things, and he had none of that wisdom which freezes up the flow of confidences and makes one feel that they are rather silly and that one ought to have grown out of them. What Griff felt was that Mr. Bradley himself had not grown out of them, and even if he had a great deal of experience, it was, for the most part, experience of a similar kind. He was not, for instance, 
nearly so grown up as Edward or Palmer. If he had told Edward or Palmer about hearing the flute, they would have made him feel he was babyish, made him feel ashamed. Whereas Mr. Bradley never for a moment doubted the truth of his story, merely grew interested and began to ask questions. What was the tune you heard? Can you remember it? Griff hesitated. I think so. Sing it! Sing it! The organist urged him with a curious eagerness, and Griff sang the tune in an undertone. The effect upon Mr. Bradley was remarkable. His eyes seemed to light up with that strange, cat-like, amber-colored light which now and then came into them, and the expression of mysterious expectation upon his face changed into one of certainty. You had never heard it before. You were quite sure you had never heard it before. No, I don't think so, answered Griff in surprise. What is it? Is it a real tune? It is the tune I taught him, Mr. Bradley whispered, laying his hand on the little boy's arm. It is the last tune I taught him. He was to have played it at the village concert. Who? asked round-eyed Griff. Mr. Bradley pointed with his ebony stick to the grave beside them, and somehow Griff did not need to be told any more. Yet the knowledge came to him with a kind of shock, and a little shiver passed through his body. He felt suddenly that he was alone here with Mr. Bradley, and that he wanted to go home. It is the tune I was playing when I saw him, when he came back that night in the church. The organist went on in a low, confidential voice, his long, thin fingers still clutching Griff tightly by the arm. An old Italian tune that I don't suppose half a dozen people, apart from a few musicians, have ever heard. It was written by an Italian organist called Gian Peruzzi nearly 200 years ago. I got it, along with a heap of old church music. You had better not talk about it. Talk about it? Don't tell anybody about it. Even about hearing the flute at all. Captain Bat would be very angry if he got to know. He would be very angry with me, and perhaps with you too. Even though he wouldn't believe you. I believe you. Because I heard it myself. And because I know such things happen. He gave a strange, low laugh, and his eyes slid away from Griff to the grave, and back to Griff again. And did he not play it at the concert? Griff faltered, suddenly feeling a peculiar reluctance to pronounce the player's name. Mr. Bradley shook his head. His eyes now gazed straight into Griff's, and they seemed to grow larger and brighter, so that the little boy could not look away from them. He died a week before the concert was to have taken place. But, he added with a quick sly smile, you must promise me that you won't mention this to anyone. Griff promised, and Mr. Bradley went on, speaking in the same low, stealthy voice, which, though it was hardly raised above a whisper, seemed to vibrate in Griff's soul, clear and penetrating as the note of a violin. I wouldn't have told you about it if it had not been that I think you must be in danger and that I ought to warn you to put you on your guard. 
What danger? Griff breathed, nearly inaudibly. Mr. Bradley's eyes narrowed to two shining slits. From him. It was you he was playing to. And if he did that, don't you see? It could only be because he wants to get at you in some way. But he is dead, Griff whispered, trying to draw his arm from the organist's grip. The long, slender fingers held him like a steel trap. There is no such thing as death. The soul does not die. It goes away from the body, but it does not go far. It comes back. Why should he want to get at me? Griff quavered uncertainly. The organist cast a quick glance over his shoulder and laughed again. He wants you. You must have put yourself in touch with him in some way. He wants you to go away and play with him where he is now. He finds it hard to come to you, and perhaps he can only do so at certain times. For that matter, the dead are always trying to reach the living. Sometimes they make use of dreams. Sometimes they find other ways. He is trying to lure you to him by the sound of his flute. And the more you listen to him, the closer he will come to you, and the more power he will get over you. But what does he want? Poor Griff asked again. I have told you what he wants, said Mr. Bradley impatiently. He wants you to be his playmate. He wants to take you into his country. It is not anything dreadful. His country is really here, all around us. Probably he feels lonely. If you are frightened to go with him, you must be careful. There is danger everywhere. There is danger in mirrors. There is danger in still water. There is danger at this moment in sitting, talking about him. Do you see how your shadow is lying just across his grave? Griff drew back hastily. The soul and the shadow are united very closely, far more closely than most people think. The shadow is not really the image of the body at all. I will tell you some day all about it, for I know. Yes, I know. Griff was silent. He felt at once quite weak and helpless, and he no longer tried to draw away his arm. He wished now that he had not promised to keep this unwelcome secret. But when he begged the organist to let him off his promise, he refused to do so. It wouldn't do any good if you did tell, he repeated. I have tried to help you, but nobody can really help you. All depends upon yourself. But I don't want to die, said Griff tremulously. Mr. Bradley received this remark with surprise. Death is nothing, he declared. All music is a preparation for death. It is a foretaste of it. In music you live as you will live then, not as you live now at ordinary times. And you are fond of music. All that you see about you is only the reflection of the other world. He took Griff's hand and patted it gently. This hand here is nothing, he said. All it can do is to feel pain. It is not you. It is not even a part of you. It is no more part of you than those old stones are. When you are dreaming and happy, do you ever miss your body? You have forgotten about it, though it may be lying there, tossing a poor aching head upon your pillow. Yet when you are dreaming, you are alive and playing in beautiful meadows and bathing in rivers or singing music 
or doing any of the things you like to do at ordinary times, only far more perfectly, and without any effort or tiredness. When you look at me now, I can see your spirit peeping out of your eyes. It is like you, but it is brighter, gayer. It is laughing and merry, while you are frightened and sad. If I called to it, Griff, Griff, it would try to jump out and scamper away over the fields. It would stand there for a moment on your forehead while it shook out its wings. Then poof, it would be gone, and I should see it glistening like a rainbow in the sunlight and dancing over the old graves and over the wall and over the church tower and over the tops of the trees. And I should hear it singing away, up, up in the air, like a little brown lock. Griff began to laugh. And Mr. Bradley, seeing him laugh, laughed too, though his eyes still shone with their strange yellow light. What time is it, please? The little boy asked, and Mr. Bradley looked at his watch. Ten minutes to six. Time is another nuisance you would be rid of. But Griff, finding himself free, had jumped to his feet. I must go, he said quickly. Tea is at six, and I promise not to be late. I hate promising things, because it makes you break your word when you don't mean to. Goodbye. He was gone before Mr. Bradley could even take a pinch of snuff. End of section 14.